It's the middle of March, and the real estate market shows no signs of change. To say that inventory is low would be an understatement. Bidding wars are pretty much standard operating procedure these days, just as it's been for many, many months now. Hi, I'm Matt McGee, host of The Walkthrough. This week and next, I'm bringing you an encore presentation of a two-part series that we aired in the fall. This conversation with Portland agent Sarita Dua is a deep dive into how to help your buyers win those bidding wars. One quick note, as you listen this week and next, you'll hear me reference data from Homelight's Q3 Top Agent Insights survey. Those numbers are obviously old by now, but you know what? The overall condition of the market is much the same. Most importantly, the tips and advice that Sarita shares are just as relevant today as they were five months ago. So without further ado, here's a two-second break and then a replay of part one about how to write offers that win bidding wars. If today's real estate market had a sound, what would it sound like? No matter where you work, East Coast, West Coast, the South, the Midwest, mountains, beaches, resort areas, you name it. I bet your real estate market sounds something like this. 600 now. At 600 now, go six and a half. And six and a half, she says yes. At six and a half now with the lady and now 700. I know you're not literally auctioning houses to the highest bidder. But then again, with some new listings, if the price, location, and condition are right, the sale kind of is like an auction, isn't it? Last chance to you all. One, two... Three, and you win that. This is great when you're the listing agent, but what about the flip side? It's not so great when you're one of the agents on the buyer side of that bidding war. Your buyers get stressed. Maybe you get stressed. Winning isn't easy when you're one of 10 or 20 offers. Heck, I saw one thread online recently where some agents were competing against more than 100 other bidders for one freaking house. How can you compete? No, not just compete. How can you win in a multiple offer situation? Over the next two episodes, you'll hear from an agent who's been winning all year long. She says it's about changing how you write the offer and knowing the three C's of winning bidding wars. This is The Walkthrough. Hey everyone, I'm Matt McGee, editor of Homelight's Agent Resource Center. Welcome to The Walkthrough. On this show, you'll learn what's working right now from the best real estate agents and industry experts in the country. At Homelight, we believe in real estate agents, and we're on a journey to find out how great agents grow their business, stand out from the crowd, and become irreplaceable. You can connect with me or the show in three different ways. Leave a voicemail or send a text. The number is 415 322 3328. You can send an email to walkthrough at homelight.com or find me in our Facebook listener community. Just search Homelight Walkthrough on Facebook and the group should come right up. It's really tough to be a home buyer these days and to be an agent representing buyers. Bidding wars are the norm in many markets. We just released our Q3 Top Agent Insights survey, and in that, 77% of agents said their listings are getting multiple offers. Back in our Q2 survey, 83% of agents said bidding wars are more frequent than ever. 
If you're going up against 10 or 15 other offers, that gives you a less than 10% chance that you'll win. Going up against 20, 30, or more offers, the odds are even smaller. That's mathematics, plain and simple. Fortunately, there's more to winning a multiple offer situation than just math. Sarita Dua is an agent in the red-hot Portland, Oregon market. She got her start in real estate back in 2004 and formed a small team in 2011. Today, about two-thirds of her business is with buyers, and she has had great success this year helping them win in multiple offer situations. At one point over the summer, she had seven bidding wars in one weekend with her buyers, and she won all seven of them. Over our next two episodes, you're going to hear Sarita talk about the three C's of winning bidding wars, confidence, communication, and creativity. The five parts of an offer and which part is most important to help you win bidding wars. You're also going to learn some really, really specific tips for how to like poke around and get information from the listing agent that can help your buyer win. Today and next Monday, we are all about helping you win more bidding wars for your buyers. So let's dive into that. When I spoke with Sarita recently, we began by talking about what's happening in the Portland market right now. We're seeing multiple offers on many things. I, you know, you can't say it's on everything because obviously it depends on price and location. Uh, but we are, it's just a really hot market. Supply is really low, demand is very high, and um, it creates a bit of a frenzy on on every listing that that's out there. Have you ever seen anything like in your market? Has there ever been a time like what you're experiencing now? I, I remember right before our great recession of like 08, 09, like 05 to 07, I had just started. I got my license in uh, 03, started in 04. I'm so grateful for that first year under my belt because in 05, 06, we were kind of writing offers on the hoods of our car. Um, and this was kind of pre-DocuSign for everything. It was still a bit manual. And I remember people seeing houses and they had to make, I mean, we were making housing decisions much faster than you would to like order a sandwich at a restaurant, right? Like it, it was, it was tight, but for some reason, even then compared to now, this feels like the tightest it's been in a long time. And, and you've had great success this year in terms of winning multiple offer situations with your clients. So why don't we dive into how you're making that happen? Because, you know, as we said, this is something that agents all across the country are going through for a lot of agents. Maybe they weren't around in 2005, 2006 when it was happening then too. And they might be getting frustrated, maybe struggling with writing what they think are great offers that aren't getting accepted. So let's start to unpack. How do you win? First of all, it begins with mindset. Um, setting expectations with the buyer, but also making sure your own mindset as an agent is in the right place. I think the first thing I think we need to acknowledge is like making sure our clients know that this is what what it's going to be like. And so, Matt, if you were my buyer, I'd, I'd like have the conversation of like, look, you know, you're looking, you're a first time home buyer. 
our average price is around 470 and you're looking for 400 to 425, I want to let you know we're likely going to be facing multiple offer situations. I assure you it's going to work out the way it's supposed to. We may not win all the time, but I am going to do everything I can to equip you to win. And if it, we're either going to win or we're going to learn and, and, or it wasn't meant to be. And so I kind of set the tone that it's, it's kind of brutal. And, and honestly, part of the message there, Matt, is the week, if this isn't for the week of stomach or week of heart, like if you don't have what it takes to kind of play this game, kind of step aside and let someone else who does need to buy a house, you know, if you're casually looking these buyers that kind of cross their arms and say, I don't really need to do this. Well then don't, because there's other people that are literally homeless. <laughs> They've already sold their house. Now they have to buy and they are willing to play this game. So if you don't like the rules of the game, don't play, but that these are the rules right now with the low rates and the very, we are in, the last three months in our market, we went from 1.5 months of inventory to 1.2 and August was 1.3. It's so low, like it's uber low, right? So just to expect that you can take your time and or get an X percentage off of asking um, the first day or the first few hours on the market, it's just not, not the game we're playing. So one, the first thing I think really is setting expectations that this is kind of what it is. And then... And then the the other way I feel like I've been winning is like you have to actually love this and be confident about what's happening. It's easy as an agent who hasn't been like if you're a newer agent and you've never been in a market like this and or like I said, this is the first time I remember since even 05 and I think it's even more brutal right now. Um, you have to have a little bit of this adrenaline rush where you enjoy it. And, and even if you don't love it because you know, it is a bit stressful. You have to feel like you're equipped to do well and that you can do a good job for your buyer. Because if you're intimidated at all, it shows it's kind of like dog smell fear, right? I think agents do too, and clients do too. And you've got to like actually enjoy it, be up for the challenge and have the right kind of mental mindset to take this on because it isn't for everybody. There's some people that are just like, I really, you know, can't handle this. They get really emotional. They hate losing. They, you know, they're almost taking it on. Like they forget that they're not the buyer. They're the agent. You know, they now, you know, sometimes they even want a certain house more than the client wants, which is kind of a challenge, right? You want to make sure you're in lockstep with your buyer and you're really up for kind of the rules of the game here. And so I'm not trying to paint this doom and gloom because I do think there's a lot of great things about this market. Um, I actually think for me as an agent, um, especially an agent that's not a newer agent, it's actually waking me up again and really enjoying the process and allowing me to um, really get better at some of the nuances that it takes to be a great agent and not rely on just sort of phoning it in, if you will. Like it's just, it's kind of awakening and it's been really fun. Let's recap what Sarita has said so far. When it comes to winning in multiple offer situations, it starts with mindset. And that's both your mindset and your buyer's mindset. For your buyers, it's all about setting expectations. You have to get them in the mindset of knowing what the market is like. I loved how Sarita ended that script. I remember when she was talking to me as if I was her buyer, she said, we're either going to win or we're going to learn. You got to warn your buyer that things may not go their way. But it's also about your mindset. Remember, you're not the buyer. You're the agent. So be confident. If bidding wars intimidate you or stress you out, your buyers and the other agents will probably sense that. Heck, Sarita even said she's enjoying the bidding wars because it's reviving her and reminding her to focus on the nuances 
that make an agent great. So mindset is step one to winning multiple offer situations. Ready for step two? It's all about the offer. And Sarita says, you have to change the way you write your offers. We've just always done it this way, but we have to kind of throw out the we've always done it this way because the we've always done it this way means it's like a one size fits all. And it's definitely not a one size fits all today. Every single situation is unique and different and you have to match your approach to that situation. And when I coach my team and when we coach our clients, we just say, Hey, Matt, I understand you guys want to buy this house. Let me tell you, there's five parts of an offer. Let me just kind of walk through it. And I almost become professorial about it and and sort of start (laughs) teaching. And it's not that big a deal, I get. But like I basically explain like the five parts of an offer are price, earnest money, down payment, close date. And then there's this miscellaneous bucket, which includes a bunch of other things, you know, inspection period, appraisal contingency, repairs personal property, rent back, et cetera, et cetera. And I, so when a buyer's interested in the house, before we even craft our offer strategy, I start laying out those five building blocks. And by the way, I don't do it during our buyer consult at the beginning. If I tell them how to write an offer on day one, it's just going to go over their right, head, right? right? It's just like yep. max headroom, like just too much information. We get to that point when we now have an offer. We now have a house in our crosshairs. Now we got to talk about the offer. Now it's relevant. They're going to listen and and start thinking about these these steps. So I will talk about, these are the basics of an offer. I want you to start thinking about them. And, and then the thing that I need to do when they're interested is, and where I think I really shine for our clients and we all should as agents is really do that MacGyver sort of back end research. I'm like, what's actually going on with the house? How long has it really been on? They said they remodeled for hundred K, but interestingly, I found the old pictures and it looks exactly the same. Like, what did they do? Like, we don't go into that level of detail on like house research or property research until I know that the client likes it. Then we start doing a little bit of digging. I'll sometimes call the previous agent or I'm just really good at just Googling and, and researching, but I'm not going to do that until I know that there's interest. Um, and then I, another key part of this is making sure that you have communication with that listing agent to understand um, what it would take to make this a win for our seller. And feel free to ask me questions. We can really unpack that a bit, but that's a little bit about my approach. I think in a normal market, tell me if I'm wrong, but my impression is that in a normal market of those elements of the offer, price and maybe close date might be the most important pieces. Is that the case now in a market like this, or is it all that miscellaneous stuff? The miscellaneous stuff really got promoted. In that <laughs> it's like, I mean, because price is price. Everybody, I, and I think that's a mistake we all make. Everyone just assumes it's a price discussion, and you know. But like, let's be real, right? You might have a four hundred ninety thousand dollar house, and you have a five hundred thousand dollar cash offer, and then you have like a five hundred and fifty thousand VA loan with zero percent down offer. Like, it's about risk too, right? The seller wants the best terms, and they want the lowest risk, which means they want the highest probability that this horse is going to cross the finish line. Because they, in our market especially, the sellers have the upper hand during the offer negotiation. The buyers actually have a little bit of an upper hand during the repair negotiation because we can actually back out due to repairs without really even having, you can have a zero 
nothing wrong with the inspection and just say, hey, due to the inspection, I'm backing out. I know there are other states where the seller has the right to remedy. And if the seller is willing to address what your issue is that came up, you can't back out. But in our state, like if it just, you found something else, you just say, well, due to the inspection, I'm backing out. Well, the last thing a seller wants in a multiple offer situation where they got 10 offers and it went crazy is to have it go back on the market. Sure, they may have a backup offer, but those backup offer people are all like setting it, forgetting it, and continuing to look. And you know, you can be, you can say as a listing agent, you know, the buyer was really insane. There's nothing wrong with the house. And how many people are going to believe the biased listing agent who has a house to sell? Right? There's still going to be this. Well, if the house was so great, why did someone walk away from it? Hi, everyone. If you're enjoying the walkthrough, we'd appreciate it if you tell the real estate agents in your network about us. Even more, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Your feedback helps us get better and in some cases can also help new listeners find and hear us. And when we get around to having you on the show, the more listeners, the better, right? Sarita has been talking about the five parts of every offer, price, earnest money, down payment, closing date, and what she calls the miscellaneous bucket. When you're writing offers in a bidding war situation, she says that last part, all the miscellaneous stuff, is the most important part of your offer. Sarita said the seller wants the best terms and the lowest risk. They're going to choose the offer that has the best chance to close. So as we get back to the conversation, I asked Sarita how she talks to her buyers about one of the biggest things in that miscellaneous bucket, asking for repairs after the inspection. Yeah, I explained to them that at the end of the day, when there's 10 offers, whether they have an official backup offer or not, we know that nine other people love this house enough to put pen to paper. And in our market, it's pre-printed that the, the home is really as is. So any kind of repair request is sort of a pretty please. Like they, you know, we can't make a seller do it. Either they'll do it, but if they don't do what you want, your only option is to terminate. You really can't make them do it. And so one of the things that the buyers are really valuing from an agent today is an agent who gives them all their options. And what I mean by that is, um, and I've, this has happened to me before where an agent has come to me the second time. They've actually worked with another agent and they've lost a few houses and they don't want to blame it on themselves. So they don't know why they didn't get it. So they don't know if maybe it was their agent. They wanted to try something different. Maybe they came to me because of a client that has been successful with me referred them to me, right? So they come to me and my main thing is like, I can't tell them what to do, but I can tell them hey, these are all of your options. And this is back to your question earlier, Matt, about the miscellaneous bucket being even more important, right? Price is price, close date's close date, but earnest money in our market, picking, increasing that, we're never going to let a seller lose earnest money. We're going to like watch all those dates like a hawk. So to increase earnest money, as long as you have a, a cash flow situation where you can, you know, it's, it's a it's a prepaid deposit, if you will, of your of your down payment that applies to your down payment. But having a little higher earnest money gives the seller some security that, hey, after the inspection period, they're, you know, maybe they'll walk away from three thousand, but maybe they won't walk away from ten thousand. I mean, I don't know about you. I won't walk if there's twenty bucks on the floor, I'm picking it up, right? So <laughs> like, you know, but the higher the earnest money, the more risk. Uh, it is for the buyer to walk away just for no reason and put that you know and put that money at risk. So there's a little more confidence that they're going to stick with it. Um, things like waiving repairs, 
um, waiving the appraisal contingency. That means, hey, this house is 439. We're going to offer, you know, 455 or 460. Um, but as long as it appraises at the list price of 439, if for some reason it doesn't appraise at our high number, we're going to waive that appraisal contingency and bring in the difference so that that we can't use that as a way to get out. So these things, these levers that I'm talking about are so important and they're um, more important now than ever because sometimes clients didn't know they had these options. And my job, when I suggest them to a buyer, I'm not saying like wink, wink, do this, right? The answer is, what does this house mean to you? If you have to have this house, then these are all the stops you can pull, pulling out all the stops, if you will, right? These are all the, the things you can do to make your offer stronger. That doesn't mean I'm saying you should do them all. I'm just giving you the menu of all the options you can do because if you're willing to pay 20, 30K over asking, but you didn't know you could waive um, a radon repair that's typically $2,000, then you know that's, then you're kind of in a little bit of a vacuum and you have a blind spot there. And so my job is to bring all visibility to what your options are and then let the buyer decide. Let's go back to that miscellaneous bucket. Cause I think there's one thing that we didn't talk about that I would put in the miscellaneous bucket. And that's the idea of, you know, the love letter that sometimes gets written. And I know that it's somewhat, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but I know, you know, some agents are absolutely like, let's do it. Other agents are no, 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 no. You know, there's fair housing risks. And where do you come in on the love letter? And is that a, uh, you know, part of your miscellaneous bucket? Yep. I offer it to my client. I don't make I don't make them do it. I basically want to introduce the buyers to the the sellers and the agent any way I can. So I do that through my communication with the listing agent. Let me tell you about my clients. Um, but I also offer that to the buyer's agent. I do know about the concerns with love letters, especially with fair housing and making sure that sellers feel like they're making fair, objective decisions and not discriminating any class or party. Um, and that's actually, up, I think, to the listing agent, right? I mean, how I, I will admit, I kind of talk through both sides of my mouth, right? I will submit a, a love letter if the buyer wants to. Um, I'll just say, if you'd like to just share anything about yourself, just a little bit about you and how much you love the house, including any photos or whatever, go for it. I can't guarantee that they're going to look at it, but you know, feel free to do that. But then I'll say when I'm on the other side of it, when we have multiple offers, I create a spreadsheet um, for my seller with all the terms side by side. And I'll say they included a note, but I don't necessarily include the note. Um, I'll actually ask the seller what their opinion is, but we typically just try to keep it to the terms and keep it very objective. Sarita mentioned that she views the love letter as another way to introduce her buyers to the seller and maybe gain a little advantage over other buyers who are competing for the same house. Part of that is born out of her experiences when listing homes. She says she'll often get offers on her listings without a text, without a phone call, or even an email from the other agent. The offer just lands in her inbox out of the blue. She's even started to check her spam folder before presenting offers to her clients, and yep, she's found offers in there that were sent without any introduction. All of that is a good transition to what Sarita calls the three C's for winning in multiple offer situations, confidence, communication, and creativity. We've already covered the confidence part when we talked about mindset. Now, let's get started on the second C, communication. 
So that there's this this piece that's getting lost, which is the actual art of like the introduction. And so I really urge, you know, I kind of call it three C's of what it takes right now. We talked about mindset, which I think my first C is confidence. The second is communication, which is making sure I call that listing agent, tell them that we really like the house. We're going to be putting together a strong offer and asking them point blank. I know price is important to you. What besides price would make this a win for your seller? And then it's really important, no matter how much we like to talk, to to pause and just listen. Sometimes they'll just be not, they're not appreciative of the question and they won't tell you anything. Sometimes they'll tell you everything, including what to offer. (laughs) Like I've had that happen to me. They literally (laughs) gave me the number and I didn't expect that either. But I might find out that they don't know where they're going, which that means the rent back's valuable. I might find out that it's their grandmother's chandelier and they absolutely don't want that included. Okay, well, we're going to exclude the chandelier. So, but just understanding some of those nuances that happens with good communication between agent to agent and then really just listening to the non-price clues you can get that might help you. If nothing else, even if you're not the best offer, you're showing the agent you're capable of listening and recapping what you heard and then factoring that in. Now, you could still have a client that says, I don't care. I want the curtains and I'm not going to give them a rent back. That's fine. And you may not get this house because they're just telling me that they don't know where they're going and they can use some time. If you're against, they're like, well, I'll do a longer close. I don't want them living in my house. I say, well, technically they're living in your house now if you buy it, right? So it's like your call, but they're telling me they, this is what they want. And I'm not on their side, I'm on your side, but my job is to tell you what I'm hearing to maximize your odds for success. So um, I get whatever information I can get. And some of those are hints so that we can craft a stronger offer. How do you poke around with the selling agent, the listing agent, without making it obvious that you're poking around and looking for a benefit? For your buyer? So, you know, I'm going to ask, answer that question in a little bit of a, a dual way. One, if you're conversational and sincere, it doesn't feel like you're poking around. But the other side is, I'm actually not embarrassed to show that we're interested in the house. I don't go all the way to play poker and, and just act like I'm cool because I want, like, to me, the deal for my buyer is getting the house. It's not necessarily getting the house at the lowest price. Obviously, we want to get it at the best terms possible for the for the buyer, just like the seller wants to get it at the best terms possible for the seller. But but my point is I'm not afraid to call you Matt and say, "Hey Matt, you know you're listing. My people love it. I just want to let you know we're going to put together a fantastic offer. Help me by letting me know what's matter what matters to your client. It just whether I can do it or not, tell me what makes this like a home run grand slam out of the park." And then I just stop and listen. And so I, when you say like poking around, that's me poking around pretty obviously. Yeah, that's. But yeah, but like I don't think like if they want it, I mean, the last thing an agent wants is an indifferent buyer because if they're indifferent, then they can be very indifferent when they terminate too, right? There, a little emotion goes a long way if they wanting the house. That doesn't mean we're going to offer 100K over and waive every contingency under the sun because we're insane, right? We're still going to do what works for us too. But I will just be transparent and say, look, we're digging it. We're going to put together a strong offer. Let me know what would make it a win. And then, but I do it in a way that's conversational, Matt. I'll just ask a few questions. Do they know where they're going? Are they taking their fridge? Is there anything they don't want to deal with that they want us to deal with to make it easier? Oh, they have a hot tub they don't use that's broken. If, do they want to just leave it? We can handle that. 
I've got a person, even my buyer doesn't have to deal with it. I've got a handyman that can haul it away. So like just having that conversation, here's what happens, Matt. Even if I don't get every hint under the sun, I'm building rapport with that agent. And when push comes to shove, they're thinking about, okay, what, what horse is going to win the race? What's the highest probability of success, assuming that the terms are there. And then if I'm engaged and caring enough to ask these questions, I'm likely engaged and caring enough to hold the deal together where I can, right? And so a lot of times it's sending a message to the agent that once we put this together and we're at terms, kind of all on the same side here, we all want a smooth, successful close. So much great advice and ideas there. Thank you so much, Sarita Dua. And you guys, we're only halfway through this episode. We have a lot more ground to cover in part two next Monday. Right now, let's do takeaways from what we've heard so far today on how to win bidding wars. Takeaway number one, it begins with mindset. You have to get your clients in the right frame of mind. Remember that line that I love that Sarita said, we're either going to win or we're going to learn. I love that. Your mindset also matters. If you're intimidated or frustrated, your clients will feel it and the other agent will too. Be confident. Takeaway number two, you can't write offers the same way you always have. Sarita talked about the five parts of an offer, price, earnest money, down payment, closing date, and then what she calls the miscellaneous bucket. In bidding wars, that miscellaneous bucket is the most important piece. Why? Well, because sellers want the best terms, price, close date, et cetera, but they also want the lowest risk, and that's where a lot of those miscellaneous items make your offer stand out. Takeaway number three, Sarita introduced the three C's of winning bidding wars, confidence, communication, and creativity. Today, we covered about half of that. Confidence, we covered, which is your mindset, and then we got started on communication. Coming up next Monday, we'll pick up right where we left off with more about how you can use better communication to win bidding wars. And we'll also learn what Sarita means by getting creative with your offers. Here's a sneak peek of that. There's also some other kind of creative things I've done. One is I've I've basically disrespected an offer deadline at times and said, you know what? I know the offer deadline's Monday. Let's put together an amazing offer. Let's be creative and have it be strong in every way. And let's make sure we give them 24 hours to respond. Interesting, isn't that? I have a feeling that'll get you thinking between now and Monday, maybe even ruffle some feathers. And by the way, I do ask Sarita next week if that kind of offer ever ruffles the listing agent's feathers. So don't miss part two. For now, if you have questions or feedback for me or Homelight, here's what to do. You can send us a, a text or a voicemail. The number is 415-322-3328. You can send an email, walkthrough at homelight.com, or find me in our Facebook listener community. Just search Homelight Walkthrough, and the group should come right up. If you have questions for Sarita, by the way, you can also find her in the Facebook group as well. So that's all for this week. Thanks so much to Sarita Dua for joining me. Thank you for listening. My name's Matt McGee, and you've been listening to The Walkthrough. At Homelight, we believe in real estate agents. We're on a journey to find out how great agents grow their business, stand out from the crowd, and become irreplaceable. Go out and safely sell some homes, everyone. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.